morning. Can you hear me all right? <laughs> so, I just thought it was cool, um, last week, John's message on, you know, the normal Easter message, um, well, I say normal, I mean, it's a good message. It's the best message, right? There is no better message. In the ever-expanding universe, is there a greater message than the story of Easter? But what I thought was really cool was, um, and John, I think you used that scripture last week, or when they came into the tomb and they found that Jesus had risen, right? But what was really cool, I don't know if you guys knew this, right? It was a, a little cool thing that I was just meditating on this week was. It said the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. So Jesus had raised from the tomb and the wrappings were there left. But the cloth that covered Jesus' face... A whole verse. The cloth that covers Jesus' face was folded up and lying separately. Do you know why? Well, I'll tell you. If you were a Hebrew, you would have got and understood this a lot more powerfully. But when a master went to eat, right, and he finished his dinner or whatever he was um, eating... After the meal, he'd, he, when he was finished, he'd, he'd clean his beard, wipe his mouth, and then he would put his napkin down, and his servants would know he's done. We're clear up. But if the master folded the face cloth and put it down, they knew he wasn't finished yet. He's coming back. And that's a cool thing. That even when Jesus got out of the tomb, he folded up the face cloth. He knew they'd, they'd, he knew they'd know. That saying, I'm coming back. You better be ready. <laughs> It's great news, right? It's great news that we have a personal saviour who rose from the dead, said, I'm coming back. The word gospel means good news. It's, I don't even think the word good does it justice, does it? Good. It's mind-blowingly, mentally good. It's, it's, and I hear people talk about as well that, you know, the, the gospel... Is, is good advice. It's not good advice. It's good news. Yeah. It's great news. On the planet, there's never heard any person's ear, man or woman or child, has ever heard better news. This is why we should be bubbling over with excitement to share it with everyone who doesn't know that Jesus is what he's done and that he's coming back. It's great news. It's not great advice. Great advice is like this. I get a letter, and the letter, I open it up, 
And it says, oh, Mr. Hesketh, um, you know, due to the current climate and your finances and the payments and things like this, you're in danger of having your house repossessed. And so I go to the bank manager, and um, obviously I'm pretty heavy when I walk in with a letter like that, and the bank manager sat behind his desk, and he says, Mr. Hesketh, you know, I want to give you some, uh, I want to give you some advice, really. It's all I can do that you're going to have to get a couple more jobs. Your wife's going to actually have to get another job as well. You probably need to sell the dog. (laughs) You're going to have to stop shopping at Waitrose. (laughs) I'm not even going to say, you know who I'm talking to. You're going to have to get your kids working. You're going to have to cut your cloth according to your means. You're going to probably have to sell some furniture or some possessions or some jewelry. And if you do that, you might not have your house repossessed. Now, that's good advice, right? But good news is like this. I get a letter like this. I walk into the bank manager's office, and he says, hey, Mr. Hesker. All right? He says, come in, come in. Gets up behind his desk, gives me a hug, kiss on the cheek. I'm like, all right, mate. He's like, oh, this is great. He goes in, puts it in his buzzer, comes in with the champagne, stops the bike, goes, get, get this man a glass. He said, Mr. Hesketh, you won't believe what happened. Just before you arrived, somebody came here who you don't know yet. And they paid your mortgage. And they paid every debt that we can actually link to your account. It's paid. You don't know this person yet. And what's more, Mr. Hesketh... (laughs) They deposited 10 million pounds into your check account. (laughs) And, Mr. Hesketh, they said, that when the 10 million runs out, they obviously know my wife and daughter, when it runs out, (laughs) Mr. Hesketh, right? We're going to replenish your account again with another 10 mil. Now, that's good news. That's good news, right? There's a big difference. There's a startling difference between good advice and good news. And that's what Jesus did. But he did it way better than that. Way better than paying some bills. He, he, he went to the cross like we heard that message. And because of his unselfish action, because he was perfect, right? He didn't have to be tortured. Tortured. He was tortured so badly you couldn't recognize him, they said. That's what he took for you. Sat in the chair. You, Nathan, he did it for you. Millie, did it for you. He did it for all of us, right? And then, what's even more mind-blowing is the, the action, right, that paid the price for our sin. He didn't just stop there. Did he, Darren? He did not. But his whole obedience, his righteous obedience, was then credited to us. 
So now we stand in perfect placement and position with God the Father. Hannah nailed it when she sung it this morning. We are perfect. We are made perfect. We are spotless and blameless. We stand before God as believers of Christ, as Jesus followers. We stand before God perfectly blameless. doesn't matter what anyone told you. It doesn't matter what daft words people spoke over you. The minute you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are in perfect position. The scriptures say we are the righteousness of God in Christ. We are perfect. When he looks at us, he sees Jesus. That's grace. What grace me? What we, and this is what we're going to know. I can't, I'm, I can't tell you how happy I am we are doing a 10-week series on grace. I can't think of a better series. I'm just told the other series are brilliant. But this, this is a life changer. If you can get your noodle around this message, it will change your life. I'm telling you it will change your life. Because, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again, there's nothing you can do, nothing to make God love you anymore. Where you're sat right now, there's nothing you can do to make God you love you any more than he does now. And there's nothing stupid or wrong or sinful you could do which will make him love you any less. It's grace. It's the unmerited favor of God. You don't deserve it. If you deserved it, it would be called deserved. It wouldn't be called grace. It's been called grace because it's given to you. You, you, you don't deserve it. Just put your hand up for me if you've never lied. That's my son, and I know he has. <laughs> That's going to cost you. <laughs> tell me who's never... Tell me who's never... Don't put your hands up. I don't want to embarrass anyone. Who's not lost the plot in the car? I've, seen, I've been driving behind some of you on the way to church, let me tell you. <laughs> Woo, waving your hands at me. I was like, they don't know we're in the, we're in the same church, look who's lost your temper, who's done something wrong, who's criticised, who's lied, who's cheated, who's been in adulterous relationships. Maybe someone's murdered. Maybe someone's got drunk. We've done some crazy stuff. But God still says, can you, can you, can you, can you get your head around it, that God, his love for us, that he says, it's done. And what even blows my mind, it blows my mind, it blows my blinking mind, that even the, the silliness that I can do in the week, Jesus has paid for it. That's grace, the unmerited favor of God. I had a working definition of grace. The problem, the problem a lot of us have got, I think, and this is what we need to remember this in the next 10 weeks, right? We've been taught, haven't we? If it's probably too good to be true, it probably, you know, we've had a chat in our house lately. You know, one of my sons, he's been offered this business opportunity and it sounds too good to be true. It's, it really does. It sounds amazing. And in fact, my other son was only too keen to tell my other son, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. And that's how we've been programmed. 
But the grace of God <laughs> is too unbelievably true to be true. But it is true, right? <laughs> I don't think my, our words can do justice. We sang it this morning that Jesus paid the price, paid the price, put us in perfect standing with God. This is what we're going to look at the next, six, uh, next 10 weeks is the book of Galatians, right? And I want to encourage you. It's six chapters in Galatians. Six. You can read one a day. Have Sunday off. If you did that every, every week, now just for the next 10 weeks, I've been reading, I started reading it again because I know I'm going to preach on it, and it's blown my mind, and it's brought some of my thinking in line. It's so easy to start coming back under the law, and we've got to do this, this to please God and that to please God. But let me tell you something. Jesus plus everything is nothing. Jesus plus anything is nothing. Jesus is it. He did the work. You can't add to that. He did it. So I want to encourage you, guys, church, does everyone promise we're going to read the book of Galatians? Turn to the person next to you, say, we're going to check you read it. Okay. Okay. Right, let's go there. Let's turn to Galatians. Galatians 1, 1 to 10. So my job is, I'm just doing the first 10, I'm doing the first 10 verses of Galatians 1. We're going to do the whole book. Sarah's going to come next week and smash it out of the park, aren't you, Sarah? Where's she gone? So let's read it together. Paul, I'll read from here, so then I thought if I print it on card, then I've not got my back to you. Paul, an apostle, not commissioned and sent from men nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ the Messiah and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. So there's a group of... Paul's been on a mission trip. Paul, you know Paul, on the, way, on the road to Damascus, had a personal encounter with Jesus. He, I mean, talk of bad guys, right? Paul, Paul was dragging the Christians out of their homes... Right with his band of guys, and they were smashing and killing the Christians. They were stoning them to death, bringing them out. Jews who'd converted and people that he was he he was a murderer. He was a mass murderer, a mass murderer. Paul was never thought of that before, but he was right. And he wrote what two thirds of the New Testament? A mass murderer. There's hope for you guys. <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. Oh, sorry, let me carry on. <clears throat> Verse 3. Grace to you and peace. Isn't that nice? Grace to you and peace. In a calm, the, the, uh, the amplifier, I put it up there and the amplified it, it expands it so nicely. In a calm and spiritual well-being. From God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a sacrifice, a sacrifice to atone for our sins to save and sanctify us so that he might rescue us so that he might rescue us that's what Jesus was on a rescue mission that's what we're on as Jesus followers right we don't want our, we don't want our friends and family who don't know Christ not to come with us <laughs> do we 
We're on a rescue mission for our sins and sanctifiers so that he might rescue us from this present evil age in accordance with the will and purpose and plan of our God and Father. To him be ascribed, ascribed all the glory through the ages and the ages. Amen. And I think this is peace comes through grace. Let me say that again. I don't think you can be a human being on the planet who can attain the peace, what the Bible talks about, which is a natural peace which surpasses, surpasses, sorry, natural understanding. That peace comes through a revelation, I believe, of grace. And you'll hear of, as we go through, as we travel through more of the book of Galatians, you, you will realize the link between the peace of God, the joy of God, supernatural happiness, peace. Not, not, what, not the peace the world goes after. The not, the, they, 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 we're, we're trying to, the next holiday, that'll be fun. The next thing I can attain, the next relationship when it works. Those things don't bring internal peace, temporary fixes. But God offers perfect peace. We're the only people on the planet, I would just add, who should have perfect peace. All the other religions in the world are trying to appease God. To them, he's an angry God who needs appeasing. We've got to do this right and do this right and jump through, a, jump through hoops. And if we look after the poor... God will be pleased with us. But if we're not doing the right thing, he might not be pleased with us. And, and last weekend, I didn't act as nicely as I should have. So now I've got, now I've got to get back into God's, God's good books because maybe he's angry with me. But we forget another oath. We all know the oath God made with the rainbow, right? He promised Noah he's never going to flood the entire planet ever again. And he said, and I want you to remember it, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a rainbow in the sky. Now, I know other culture groups may use the rainbow, but God said, this is a sign of my oath to you guys that I'll never flood the entire earth again. That's what it was for. When, we, when I see a rainbow, I'm just loving God's oath. He made another oath. And you can read it for yourself, and it's in Isaiah 54. And this is what the oath was, and it was talking to God's redeemed people, us, Jesus' followers. And guess what it says? I promise, like him, I made an oath on himself. There's no higher, you can't promise more higher than yourself if you're God, right? That I will never be angry with my people again. Just let that permeate your thinking for a split second or two. That God made an oath in Isaiah 54 that he would never be angry with his people again. So if you ever feel God's angry with you, can I point you to Isaiah 54 and say, you don't have to feel like you have to please an angry God. God is not angry with his people because Jesus put us in perfect, perfect standing with him. He can't be angry with the perfect work that his son's done. So can I, can I just take that off you? 
guilt, shame, trying to please God, jump through hoops. I can't expect the breakthroughs that I'm trusting God for because I'm not in the right place with God yet. I need to do this and I need to do that. No, you don't. No, you don't. Jesus has done it. That's blinking great news. Like Hannah sang this morning, what's his is ours in Christ. (laughs) What a truth. We should have been jumping up and down like lunatics when she sang that. Shouldn't we? Okay. Okay, next scripture. Sorry, verse 6. Nearly out of time already, I think. Verse 6. I must, this is what Paul says, right? I am astonished. Are you nuts? He writes to the churches. Are you nuts, people? Are you nuts? I'm astonished and utterly, sorry, and extremely irritated, says Paul. So it's all right if we get irritated. Paul got irritated. That you are so quickly shifting your allegiance, sorry, and deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a, for a different, even contrary gospel. The grace-based salvation turning it into to a works thing. Paul said he... he he, he can't believe it. What's the matter with you? Later on in the book, it, he sa- it actually says, what bewitched you? What bewitched you that you who started off in the grace of God, who started off in the supernatural spirit, the Holy Spirit, you started your, your walk with Christ in a supernatural manner, have been so deceived that you're now going to try it through your works and you trying to please God, jump through hoops, be a better person, shave your head, get a new pair of trainers, look like John, they ain't going to work. <laughs> oh, thanks. You don't mind that, do you? Okay, let's go verse 7. So he says this, which is really not another gospel. But there are obviously some people masquerading as teachers. I'm sure we've all, I'm sure if you've journeyed with, with God a while, you've come across some, some leaders. I'm sorry, I am, and I say that, and, I, I, and I'm not being funny. I know there's people who've sat under some hectic leaders. And you said, and, and I've heard people say, I'm done with church. Because you never quite felt you made the standard. You're never quite that Christian. You haven't walked on water this week. <laughs> people masquerading as teachers who are disturbing and confusing you with misleading counterfeit teaching. Misleading counterfeit teaching. It's not Christ plus, it's Christ. And want to distort the gospel of Christ, twisting it into something that it's absolutely not. What goes really well, I don't want to steal someone's thunder down the road in Galatians, but Galatians 5.4, it talks about fallen from grace. 
You've fallen from grace, he says. And you, obviously you can't, fall, you can't fall out of a tree if you're not in a tree. You were in grace, you've fallen from it. The book of, uh, if I've had a revelation about the, the, the book of Galatians, it's not a book trying to get you in the kingdom. It's a book showing you and imploring you to carry on walking it out in a supernatural fashion. You who've started in the spirit, you who've started in the supernatural walk with God, why have you departed from that? Why have you turned back? Because the people who've come in here in, the, in Galatians, they're, they're telling people, you know, they, you, know, you, should be, you should have, um, you know, they should get circumcised. And you should obey the, the laws. I think Paul says in Galatians 5, he's so cross with them, and forgive my coarseness, he says, well, if you're going to be like that, never mind just a snip on the tip. Cut the whole thing off. No, you can read it. I'm not being coarse, and you'd, no one needs to email John. Okay, it says it in, it's in the Bible. He uses the word emasculate. Off. That's, that is how offended Paul is. <laughs> That's how offended he is that you've tried to put these wonderful, spirit-filled people back under the law. They are perfect, standing with God as they are. They need to steward the gifts they've got and walk out this walk supernaturally and attain the things God has for you individually. I can't do what John's got to do. You can't do what I've got to do. No one can do what Kerry's got to do. No one's... Maybe Scott. No one! (laughs) Okay. (laughs) This can't help. Yeah. Okay, let's go verse 8. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, I'll tell you, that's, oh, forget it. Even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we originally preached to you, let him be condemned to destruction. As we have said it before, so I now say it again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel different from that which you receive from us, let him be condemned to destruction. I think the actual word, was a, it was a Hebrew word, and I think it was turned into Greek, and, and it was where we get the word anathema from. And, and it, that's what it means. It's like destruction. You couldn't, I mean, here's Paul, a spirit-filled man who, in love with Christ, saying if they're going to put that on people... These people, may they be contemptible. I mean, you can't get stronger language biblically than that. Am I now trying to, to win the favor and approval of man? Or I'll tell you what, though. I did think when I was doing that, you know. But even if I or an angel from heaven, the Mormons are in trouble, aren't they? Because an angel arrived with golden plates with a new message. If you're a Mormon watching online this morning, you're welcome. Because Paul says, it's Jesus Christ plus nothing. There's no Mormons here, is there? What did he say? What did he say? Not anymore, okay. I do the jokes, mate. All right, 
Can I throw a... Can I throw a <laughs> but, it, but, but do you understand what I'm saying, right? There's no other... I mean, my, my mum's got wrapped up in Je- the Jehovah's Witnesses, and, it, and it's this and it's that, and she's been absolutely brainwashed. It's, it's horrific to see. Told that she should separate herself from her family told her that if your son preaches this, this gospel message, there's actually, he's got mental health issues. What? <laughs> I thought someone said amen. <laughs> okay. Can I just add this scripture? It's not Galatians, but it just so brilliantly encaptures what we've just been talking about. Colossians 1. Have we got Colossians 1? Yeah, brilliant. Let me read this to you. <clears throat> Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Jesus Christ in his physical body. Okay, we discussed that. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. Okay? We don't have to fight to get into his presence. We should enter his presence like that. The only thing stopping you from entering in God's presence like that is your wrong thinking. Is your wrong theology. Maybe there's some deception uh, and, and it's likely, because we struggle with these things, right? And I'm not being condescending or facetious when I say that. That we need to, maybe, maybe honestly, if you feel that you can't enter in the presence of God because you're not good enough, or God's, please let us pray. Don't go home till we pray for you, please. Please. That that would come off you, and you would have a revelation. That yoke is easy and burden which is light, yeah? Don't go out of here more heavy than when you came in. Then we're really doing a bad job, right? And you, and you are holy, sorry, as a result, you've brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Say to the person next to you, without a single fault. <laughs> but, 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 no, it's good, it's, there's no bad buts, but, but, you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Believe the truth and stand in it. Believe the truth and walk in it. Believe the truth and supernaturally journey in it. Believe the truth and don't turn back to another gospel, which isn't a gospel after all. Don't drift away from the assurance you received, the assurance of salvation, the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Amen? I, I listen to a... Because um, we talk about revival, right? Yeah. We're expecting it, right? Yeah. And we're not just saying it because it sounds exciting. As, I mean, we're, there's people, God's moved from all over the world to come back to this town because he's told them, we haven't all missed it. There's no way. When we, Kerry and I were in South Africa, God says, go back to Bournemouth. There's an outpouring of my spirit coming England's never seen. Sarah's in America. Sarah's here. There's guys who are at the Toronto Blessings. They've recently been told, head to Bournemouth. I'm coming. Right? I'm coming. And this guy said, his name's Rob Rufus. If you want to look, look him up online, Rob Rufus, I think he's one of the best preachers and teachers of grace on the planet and Rob Rufus has studied a hundred revivals he said 
And he said he's convinced after studying hundreds of revivals that churches and people who understood the message of grace stepped into revival. And he says, and people have said to him, no, 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 no. What, he says, no, it was. It, it, and what, what stopped it? He said, I'll tell you what stopped the revival, which in all my studies of the hundreds of them, when the people went back under the law, when they went back trying to make it happen themselves. And then the people said, no, 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 no. It's not that. It's not just the grace thing. It stopped because of people's sin. Well, if, the, if it, was, it stopped because of people's sin, it would never have started. Look at us. I mean, we're great and holy and blameless, but do you know, we need a saviour, right? I'll finish with my favourite, one of my favourite stories when, I'm, when we're, we're doing, oh, I forgot to mention, this, Phil said, don't forget to mention the discipleship course which we're running from this Friday at 7 o'clock at Sovereign House, okay? <laughs> 7 o'clock, Phil will, Phil will kill me if I forget the message. But I love to share this story. If, if honestly... Assurance of salvation, learning to hear God's voice, walking in your supernatural calling of God, identifying your gift, hearing his voice, fulfilling your calling, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. We don't even charge. That was, hey? Wednesday. Did I say Friday? Did I say Friday? Sorry. Yeah. It's so good we're doing it twice. Do you know... I, I, it, it actually does, it, it drives me nuts. I, I need to be as, as bonkers about Paul is with this. I'd like to be when I hear that people are, you know, you, sh- you should have done this, brother, and you haven't done the baptismal course, and you haven't been baptized yet, and you haven't done this yet, and you haven't done those six courses on your spiritual gifts. What about the guys on the cross next to Jesus? There's three guys on the cross, two criminals, and one perfect, spotless Lamb of God. And the one guy's ridiculing Jesus, isn't he? He said, well, if you're the saviour of the world, hop off the cross. I mean, imagine you do Because crucifixion was designed to take time. They would have taught, they, they, they could sometimes be there for a few days. It is, it is barbaric. And the other guy says, listen, do me a favour. We might not have said it like that, but he said to Jesus, please, just... Remember me. The other guy, he deserved to be there. He was a criminal. He deserved his punishment. Jesus didn't. And the minute he acknowledged Jesus is who he said he was, what did Jesus say? Today, you and me, we're walking into paradise together. That's good news. Huh? I'd be like Colin McGregor walking in. Wait, wait. I would. Thought I was was on the cross. No, no, no. Bada bing, bada bing. Here I am. Thanks to this guy, Jesus. That's great news. That's grace. The unmerited favor, the undeserved favor of God at our disposal because of what Jesus did on the cross. Is there better news 